Hi, this is Keith David and you're listening to Fox on the Wire on a very sunny Melbourne afternoon just out of lockdown. You're listening to Fox on the Wire podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Fox on the Wire. Today is the first in-person episode I've done for about five or six months. So I think the last one was uh, back in June with Palmy Dillon, and that was the first anniversary of the podcast. So we've had a few more lockdowns in Melbourne since then. So it's been all zoom, zoom, zoom since uh, until today. So I'm very happy to be in the company of another human. Uh, in my kitchen here. Barely. <laughs> Keith David, welcome to the podcast and welcome to my kitchen. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr. Fox. Lovely to be here. An English, Australian songwriter, guitarist, yeah. anything else? <laughs> uh, there are probably a few other things, but uh, we might not want to yeah. go into those. <laughs> so uh, you're currently finishing finishing off production for some new songs. Tell I us, am. Tell us. Yeah. Um, I, mean, it's, I think it's one of the things about the uh, the lockdown here in uh, sunny Melbourne, which has been helpful. It's, it's given time to sort of review a few songs, pull a few songs I'd recorded um, over the last year or so. Get them out and uh, dust them up. I took them to Ad Audio or collaborated with Robin at Ad Audio Studios and she's uh, produced and engineered her side of things. She did the bass and uh, drums for them and also mixing and mastering sort of thing. Yeah. A bit beyond my capabilities. Yeah. But um, <laughs> recorded all the – I did all the guitars and keyboards and vocals at home. Right. And then, so we're just sort of putting the finishing – touches to them you know now is this part of a an ep or an album yes 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 <laughs> we haven't decided yet. Oh, okay because uh, i've got a couple more songs i might sort of pull in but uh, i think i think there'll be a couple of like just uh singles if you like okay and then um i'll see what comes from there yeah uh it's sort of the the road that i'm taking at this stage is the the uh, singles option for now um yeah. Just a bit, I don't know, easier to promote maybe or, yeah, I'm just finding it a bit easier at this stage. I think it's easier for people to... to Ingest. You know, yeah, yeah, because, you know, the attention these days, people don't seem to want to listen to, you know, a, a triple album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From start <laughs> to finish. But I've got all these songs, people, you know. I've got <laughs> exactly. double albums worth of songs. I've got a lot to say. Yeah, I've got a lot to say. <laughs> uh, so you released your EP th- called Thoughts Around yep. in 2017, which yep. I think is about three-year anniversary last week or this week, I, I noticed. Right. This week, yeah. 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 Um, uh, so that's a... a an EP, a collection of memories, self-discoveries, loss, reminders and celebrations. And uh, the music captures emotions that are common to all of us. Uh, I've been listening to that on Spotify uh, lately mm-hmm. before our, our chat here. Um, where did you record that one? Uh, that was actually all of that was recorded at Ad Audio. Right. Um, down in East, East Brighton. Okay. Um, so that, that was good. And uh, Robin... Again, Robin Payne, who runs that audio, she did the bass and the engineering and mastering and mixing and mm. production and keyboards. Wow. Uh, and a guy called Rob Mazels, he did the drums. Okay. So pretty big drum sound, I think, on some of those songs. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did guitars and, you know, squawked into microphones a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, enjoyed the... The harmony or the layered guitars on the single "Me," I really, you know, it's hard to go past harmonised guitars Came sometimes well. if yeah. they're used tastefully, which they were in your case, of course. Thank you. Uh, where, where does that influence come from for you? Oh well, um, I think really uh, harmony harmony guitars goes way back to when I was a kid uh, listening to bands like Wishbone Ash. Uh, Thin Lizzy and stuff like that. Yeah, they they really kind of to me they sort of pioneered that that uh, that uh, kind of feel. You know, but it's good. I, I like harmony guitars. You know, like harmony vocals. Yeah, it just adds that 
little bit. Yes, can be very, very tasteful. Um, yeah, I guess Thin Lizzy. I haven't listened to a lot of Thin Lizzy, I must say, but everything I've heard, mm. you can definitely hear that influence. Mm. I think I got into the harmony guitars uh, via sort of heavy metal. I think. Um, who am I thinking of? Iron Maiden. Yeah. Uh, who did it really well? Yep. And I think they got three guitarists now, yeah. haven't they? So yeah, it's right. totally over the top, but yeah, it, great. if you make it work, it sounds great. Thirty-six part guitar, <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Oh man! <laughs> and I think you know Metallica did a bit of it. Hmm. Um, oh, it's heaps of bands that yeah. did it. Judas Priest. But yeah, that that became like a big part of the the metal sound, didn't it? Really? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, I mean, in my mind, anyway, uh, metal is kind of like um, it's it's to me it's more closely aligned with classical music than it is with yeah anything else. It's it's really got that depth of uh, well, you know, harmony and um, you know, rhythmic stuff and uh, you know, solid sounds and yeah, it's quite different. You know, pe- people, you know, some people anyway, they kind of dis. Metal affair bit, which I think is cruel. Mm. So I love some metal. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right about the classical aspect. Like, I mean, you listen to uh, bands like oh, Rainbow. Mm. Uh, who else am I thinking of? Ingwai Malmsteen, that guitarist from Sweden, <laughs> the Maniac. <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, he did a lot of the harmony stuff too. And yeah, I found him interesting when I was growing up. You know, mm. reading my guitar magazines, he was always someone, you know, uh, a little bit different to everyone else. Yeah. Probably because he's from Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. he uh, sculpted his frets. Yep. His, his fretboard as well. Brilliant. And I'm like, what the, what does that mean? So <laughs> I looked into that a bit further. That was interesting. Yeah. Have you ever played a guitar with scalloped, scalloped frets? No, I haven't. Look, I've seen a few, uh, but being left-handed, um, you know, a bit of a, what would you say, a bit of a disadvantage in some ways. You can't just pick up a guitar in a shop or, yeah. you know, at a gig or something and use it, But um, which might be a good thing in some ways. But, uh, yeah, it's a clever idea. It just gives you that extra bend or vibrato or, you know, any kind, kind of tonal adjustment. Mm. It's good. Now, would you be able to bend it toward rather than pulling the string down or up as a bend? Would you just pull it in towards the sculpt? I think you I can. mean, you might get like a quarter or a half a bend out yeah. of that. I'm just trying to imagine how it would feel. I don't know. Weird. I think it would be yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah. I'm used to feeling a fretboard against the fingers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know anyone else who has taken that sort no. of approach, <laughs> maybe for a reason. But, you know, someone like him is very classical and, um, you know, he's got some great stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just fast, really fast technique as well. And yeah. Just, just totally crazy. Um, there's an interview on YouTube mm. with him. <laughs> well, there's lots, but yeah. the one I'm thinking of, the, the interviewer says to him, Ingley, have, have you ever heard of the expression "less is more"? <laughs> and he, he just looks at the interviewer. Yeah. His jaw hits the ground. And he says, "What? Yeah. <laughs> no, more is more." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, insane. yeah. He was pretty out there, like, and yeah. he was he he was uh, totally. Uh, what am I trying to say? He really sums up the eighties, I think. Yeah, uh, the eighties metal. Um, but he was definitely he stands out on his own, I reckon, um, with his speed and technique and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So just going back to your your EP. Yeah. Um, now you have a video for that single called "Me." Um, I do, which features you quite a few times. Features me. <laughs> yeah. How did you talk yourself into playing so many roles? <laughs> well, look, after some discussion with my psychologist, we thought <laughs> if we bring all the personalities yeah. out. Um, it was a, it was actually uh, it, c- it comes from what the song's about the the song me really is about um everyone has a different personality depending on what role they're currently playing at that point in time during the day yep like i guess you know you you can have your family person you've got your work person you've got your out with the boys person you've got all kinds of different 
people versions in, of yeah, yourself. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, various iterations of the same person. So it sort of became a thing of, well, that's what the song's about. You know, who, who shall you know? What, what am I supposed to be? What part of me am I supposed to be right mm. now? And so the guys who did the video, um, Tom Conyers and Mark White from uh, Little Man Screaming Productions, they um, they said, well, you know. Geez, why don't, why don't we just get you to do lots of you? <laughs> okay, <laughs> why not? So there's lots of green screening and yeah, a lot of uh, you know I had to sort of look at my, myself, in fact, mm. or where I was going to be, and do something or say something. It's quite funny. Yeah, that would have been interesting to yeah. to shoot and edit. I would imagine. Yeah, I don't know about the editing. Yeah, but definitely the shooting was fun. <laughs> so, would you say guitar is your your main instrument? Because you play keyboards, uh, mandolin as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, is guitar your oh, and you sing, of course. Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, but there, look, certainly, you take guitar's the main instrument. Um, keyboards, I've got a lot better at putting stuff together on keyboards. I sort of understand a little bit more about a keyboard now. Mm-hmm. I always say I play a little mandolin, but there again, all mandolins are little. So Yes, true. true. You know, but I, I sort of hack around with a mandolin. It's kind of like uh, one of my new songs has got some mandolin in it. And um, that was a matter of writing the song, playing the song, and then thinking, well, now you play the parts on a mandolin to fit in there. So it's kind of, a, you know, pretty tricky working that through. Yeah. Um, but I can play a bit of bass and, and uh, stuff like that too. It sort of all centres around guitar. Yeah. Do you think the keyboard or a piano is a natural next instrument instinct for a guitarist? Does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> it does. It does to well, me. Obviously, you can just pick up a bass and kind of yeah play it, at least with the technique anyway, but yeah. yeah do you think? For, for me, it's, it's kind of different because firstly – you can't get left-handed pianos. Ah, I did try that once. Well, wow. and um, anyway, that didn't work too well with the man in the shop. Yeah, but um, it you, you got to put your brain around the other way as a left-hander. Mm. To think of everything around the other way. Mm. Um, but it, it does make sense once you start understanding, you know, the shapes. Because I I can't read or write music yep. full stop. I got no idea about music theory. So to me, everything on a guitar. It becomes a shape, yeah, uh, or a pattern, mm-hmm. and it's a similar thing with a keyboard. You start going, "Oh, okay, so it's that shape, <laughs> that pattern, yeah, that works good." Do you have to learn a bit of theory, music theory, to play the keyboard or piano, or are you just sort of feeling your way through it? Uh, mainly feeling my way through it. Like I tried yeah. many, many, many years ago. I tried learning how to play like mm. an organ, getting um, taught. Yeah, uh, and it was an ulterior motive because I knew this person who taught keyboards, and she was very nice. And I wanted to ask her out, and I thought, <laughs> "Hey, let's kill two birds with one yeah. stone." And then um, she put some music in front of me, and I knew the song, and I started sort of squeezing out what the song was. And she said, "You're not reading the music, are you?" And I said, "No." And she said, "Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. You might as well just keep going the way you are." <laughs> okay. <laughs> with the um, like, I, I can't read music or. Theory either, okay. Uh, just guitar tablature, which is not theory. But um, do you find, like, once you get familiar with all the shapes on the guitar and that sort of thing, mm. you almost get stuck in a bit of a box uh, of famil- familiarity, or maybe something like that. Um, yeah, and that's why I think I've talked about it with other guests, like why I like grabbing an open tuning guitar. Mm. Yeah. Because it just totally, you know, jumbles up the fretboard. You don't know what you're doing. Yep. Don't know what shape this is or what chord's that. Don't know. And all your standard chord shapes don't work. So you're just sort of feeling your way through uh, and you just come up with some really interesting things. Absolutely. Um, And I imagine that might be what it's like to pick up, well, not pick up the piano, but (laughs) sit at the piano. Uh, not knowing any theory behind it and just sort of feeling your way through it. So, yeah, because I, yeah, I find with standard tuning guitars, uh, I don't know, you just uh, get stuck in your own patterns sometimes. 
I yeah, think. I'd, I'd agree with you there. Yeah. I think it's pretty easy to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like you say, you, you put a guitar at dad gad or open G or something, and you, you can no longer play <laughs> yeah. a, a, the same chords that you were playing. You've got to find something different. You know? Exactly. Or you just end up playing cashmere. You know, all oh, yeah. afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> what what tuning is that in? Is that a that an open? yeah? Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. But uh, you know, it, it it is. It sort of forces you to start looking at different phrasings, different voicings, and things. You know. Yeah. Get a bit more creative and mm. experimental. I mm. think. Yeah, I got that idea from Led Zeppelin. Uh, I think it was the Rain song that mm. sort of uh, made me pick up the guitar one day and try and mimic the tuning and i've still got one of the guitars pretty much in that same tuning yeah a little bit different but uh yeah so i've written a few songs in that but right yeah so the acoustic guitar tune uh on that ep called saxon mm. it's got some dogs barking in it what's mm. uh what's behind that oh that's a that's a sad song very mm. like very very sad because mm. we had we had a dog called saxon yeah and um he got to the point where he couldn't move. He was about 17, mm. uh, which I think is fairly old for dogs. He was a golden retriever. Right. And uh, he got to the point where he couldn't move. And, um, uh, you know, we had to get him put down, you know. Like, I never thought, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not uh, a street fighter mm. by any, any stretch, mm. but I've always thought myself a bit hard, a bit, you know, a bit solid. Yeah. Until you have to get a dog put down. Mm. And uh, I come home, I come home, I actually play golf on uh, some days at the club. Yeah. And I came home from the club and the good lady in the house looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, I think the time has come. Mm. And I had to ring up the local veterinary hospital. <laughs> I said, Good afternoon. Hospital. How can I help you? And I said, yeah. And that was it. Yeah. Uh, just complete, you know, inside this man of steel, there's a jellyfish just waiting to break out, you know. Mm. And it was worse actually getting him into the hospital and, and just watching the whole thing, you know, holding him, you know. Not very nice. Yeah. But that's the song came out of that, or the piece of music came out of that. Yeah. You know. I've, I sort of got the impression that it would be something along those <laughs> lines. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's animals do that to oh, you. Yeah. Um, you know, not much sort of breaks through my skin these days, but um, we've got Maverick in Maverick. the kitchen here yeah. today who's sitting behind Keith, just keeping an eye on things. But he's, you know, I've taken him to the vets a few times, but nothing serious, thankfully. Good. But mm. um, I remember a couple of years ago I had to take him to the vet to and leave him there for the day to get his teeth and his gums cleaned so mm. nothing serious yeah but just the fact that i had to leave him there oh. uh and you know in a sense abandon him i was just <laughs> i was gutted and i was in tears and i'm and mm. then a couple of weeks ago i had to take him to get a like a cyst drained in his neck mm. and because of covid they wouldn't let me sort of go into that room while he was getting it done, and that just that yeah, broke me hard. down as well. So yeah. it doesn't doesn't take much with him, so I, I can definitely definitely understand it. And yeah, yeah animals really do that. Strange, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, now you are a left-handed guitarist. Yes. How did that happen? What happened? Uh, a, gen- <laughs> a, gen- a genetic <laughs> malfunction. Yeah. Uh, prior to birth. Yeah. When I was when I was really really young, um, an old auntie who's still around, she's she's probably older than the Queen, but uh, she bought me a guitar for a birthday when I think I was about five or six, which was pretty handy. Um, and the Bert Whedon Play in a Day songbook, which to this day I've never used, <laughs> but still have. Yeah, right. Sorry, Bert. Um, but anyway, I got, I got this guitar, and I had a look at the pictures in this book. And nothing made sense because, of course, I was holding it as a left-hander mm. and everything's set for a right-hander. And it wasn't until many years later that I, you know, this kind of light bulb moment, you know, Hendrix. Yeah. Left-handed. Yeah. Just like me. How good's that? Yeah. Um, and they're the uh, 
similarity ends, but, you know, um, it just couldn't do it any other way. So you just naturally picked it up that way? Naturally left-handed, mm. yeah. Well, you're in good company. You got, you got Hendrix, you got Kirk Bain, Paul mm-hmm. McCartney. Yep. Uh, Tony Iommi. Yep. From Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath, yep. Uh, amongst, you know, many others. Mm. Um, so did you find it hard to find a left-handed guitar? Totally. Yeah. Uh, bane of my life. Yeah. You know. when, I, when I got my first guitars, they were right-handed guitars. And then the nice men in the shop where I bought them at the time, they changed them over to left-handed for mm. me. <clears throat> Never ideal, especially with electrics because nah. the knobs are at the top. Yeah. So then as soon as I could, I got, uh, you know, proper left-handed guitars and that. Um, Ibanez were pretty good for that in, in the old days because they made left-handed guitars, mm. which was fantastic. Yeah. But, it, it, like, I've been to a lot of different countries in the world and everywhere I've been... You know, there's very few places. Well, I was in Japan a few years ago. Mm. In uh, there's a, a street there that's got full of guitar shops, music shops. It's great. Every shop, you know, they come up and konnichiwa, yeah, and bow and say hello and that. Yeah, yeah hi. Uh, have you got any left-handed guitars? <laughs> oh, hmm. Oh, lefty. Ah, uh, no, lefty. Very sorry. <laughs> Thank you. You know. Damn. Next shop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, you know, as we know, Hendrix uh, would turn his right-handed guitar upside down, but mm. I was just reading that he wasn't the first to do that, but he was the most probably famous to do it. Yeah. Um, and for the longest time, left-handed guitars didn't exist. Yep. Or they were too rare and expensive for most people to get their hands on. So, mm. yeah, most left-handed Guitarists would flip the guitar upside down. Um, so I think among the earliest were sort of blues guitarists like Albert King, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dick Dale, yep. and Slim Whitman. Um, so, yeah, but then obviously Hendrix sort of made it more famous. Mm. Some of those guys used to, used to play a right-handed guitar and they just play the right-handed guitar as – as is, as strung, mm. right-handed. Whereas I can't, I can't do that. Mm. Um, and the Hendrix even used to string his left-handed. Not, um, but I think he could play a right-handed guitar, probably strung right-handed <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah, he's quite good at that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, re- I remember when I was young because um, I was into Nirvana big time, and yeah, I liked the the look of the left-handed guitar, and I'd, I'd learned how to play right-handed. Mm-hmm. But I thought, I was still pretty young. I thought maybe I can just switch. Yeah. And just, you know, I've already learned the, the technique and stuff. I've just got to get the dexterity right. <laughs> it didn't last long. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm still a right-handed guitarist, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But it works well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, for you. <laughs> yeah. It's not the worst thing. I'm a left-handed, I'm a right-handed everything else pretty mm-hmm. much, but I'm a left-handed batsman if I'm playing cricket or yeah. golf or... Uh, you know, whatever. Ah. So I don't know what happened there. I'm the other way. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll, I'll write left-handed, play guitar left-handed. Yeah. Tennis would be, if I played tennis, but mm. past that one, I think. But cricket, mm. right-handed, golf, mm. right-handed, strange, weird people. What is that? What's, what's going know. on there? What's wrong with us? I've got, I mean, I don't play golf, but my mate of mine who is left-handed as well was selling an old pair of clubs. And uh, he's like, buy him. You'll come out for a hit with us. I've been yeah. out once in <laughs> ten years, but I did have my own set of clubs, ah. lefties. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, they're there if I need them. But <laughs> I wasn't much good, I've got to say. Yeah. Well, I know that feeling. <laughs> so um, now I first met you. I was trying to think back in my mm. brain into the cobwebs of my brain. It wasn't that long ago, but we. When we first met, you were lead guitarist of a band called Waterline. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming we teed up on a gig there somewhere together through Bob Crane's Taste of Indie Collective. Does that sound yeah. right in your I think mind? so. Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure if that was when we first met or I think we, we might have met previous to that. Mm. But... um. That was part of it, though. Bob, Bob yeah. set up that uh, collective and that. Yeah. I think up at the Brunswick Hotel and places. But I think we played on the same, like, night 
mm. in different places as well. Yeah, because that was a pretty busy period. Like I was mm. playing lots of gigs at that time, so it's all a bit of a a bit of a, a mash. But uh, yeah, that's sort of. And then we shared quite a few nights after that mm. uh, through Bob. Hello, Bob, if you're listening. Hello, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what are you? You're doing your own stuff these days because Waterline is no longer, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, look, I've always, you know, I've always done my own stuff, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but uh, certainly, you know, Waterline is no longer. So um, it was a bit sad. Like, it was good fun doing all that. Um, good people. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was sad when uh, when we split up, but it, it gave me more time to concentrate on, on um, you know, writing more and, Doing my own thing more, I suppose. Yeah, I did. I did set up um, a band prior to COVID. Uh, you know, drums, bass, uh, another guy, John, who I'm still working with, John, um, and uh, Robin Payne's husband Neil was on bass, and um, Andrew Hutchinson was on drums. Good drummer. Um, but then COVID hit, mm. so we sort of didn't bother after that. We sort of let that go. Right. Um, whether or not, you know, I set up something else, I'm not sure. If I did, I think one of the things that I was finding difficult is that we didn't have a keyboard player and there's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff I want with keyboards. Yeah. So made it a bit, just a bit emptier than I want, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we're sort of coming out of COVID, well, to an extent, mm. have you thought, can you pick it back up again, get everyone back on board or...? Yeah, possible. Yeah. There's a possibility there, you know, there's something to look for anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, so tell us, uh, w- where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Australia or in England? Uh, well, I haven't done that yet. Oh, right. At all. <laughs> um, trying my best not to, but uh, I, I come from North London originally. Okay. So that was where I spent my formative years, I suppose, mm-hmm. in North London. Um, and then the rest of it's been here. Right. And I became an Australian citizen finally uh, this year. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And that was good too because uh, normally you have a big ceremony. I think uh, everyone's there, the Prime Minister and the Premiers and all the rest of them turn up, something like that. And um, it's a big hoop de doo Anyway, they wrote to me and they said, Dear Mr Keith, seeing as there's COVID, we can't have a ceremony for mm. you, so we'll do that by Zoom or whatever, you know. Yeah, that's great. So it was me and, and some public servant in Canberra looking at each other on our phones. Wow, it's crazy. <laughs> so it was like great five minute job. Yeah, wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Australia. How long have you been here? Quite a while. I've been here quite a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I go, whenever I've been back to England, people people say, you know, you're not English, you're Australian. Mm. So, wow. No accent now. <laughs> no, no, I can't detect it. No. It's not there. It's gone. Uh, did you um, – I read that you listened to a lot of pirate radio as a yep. kid. Tell us about that. That's interesting. Well, that, well, that was interesting. Yeah. Because uh, I was fairly young um, and it was sort of like at that time there was Radio London, Radio Caroline and Radio Luxembourg, being the ones I knew. Um, there might have been more. But they were all set up on these um, disused oil rigs out in the North Sea. Mm. Uh, between England and Europe, because in England the only the only radio stations that existed was of course the BBC and um, the BBC basically, and the yeah. BBC played news and classical music, yeah, and some pop music now and then, which was pretty dull. So these radio these these uh, pirate stations got set up with all these people who were really cool, like John Peel and Kenny Everett and people like that. And they played real music like The Who and Jimi Hendrix and The Kinks and, uh, you know, The Pretty Things and The Trogs, you know, just everything, you know, it's just fantastic. So as a young lad, I had had what was called a transistor radio, Mm. which was probably about the size of your average 65-inch TV now, (laughs) and uh, I kept that under my bed sheets at night and I'd listen to these... um, Pirate stations before the old man came in and right. told me to shut up and go to sleep. You know? Right, wow! But it was great because you got to, got to hear all this stuff and you got to hear what was going on in the world. Mm. Um, you know, like what was happening in London and in Carnaby Street, and which we used to go to a fair bit. You know, 
if you go to Carnaby Street these days, it's kind of like um, it's just this bunch of shops that sell junk mm. and souvenirs and souvenirs of Carnaby Street of what was. But in those days, it was a fairly narrow, well, still is, but fairly narrow, little dirty little London street. Mm. Lots of shops selling weird clothes and strange sunglasses and playing music, you know. And you could bump into people. Like, you would see Paul McCartney or you would see Brian Jones because he was alive at that point, you know. Yeah. It was a fantastic vibe, you know. Yeah. So we talk in late 60s around there. Mm. Yeah. It makes me think of that movie, um, The Boat That Rocked. Yep. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah, the pirate radio, and I think they were out on the um, what was it, a legal radio station on a boat. I don't know if it was an oil cruiser yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that that was one of my favourite movies. Um, right. Still is. I haven't seen it for a couple of years now, but that had Bill Knighty, Philip mm. Seymour Hoffman, and uh, a few others. But that was a that was a great movie. Yeah. And yeah, I remember the scenes you're seeing. I think it was the young girls, you know, in their beds at night with the little transistor radio under the pillow. <laughs> so you just made me think of that. It's yeah. a, a great movie if anyone hasn't seen it. It's called The Boat That Rocked. Great movie. Really funny. So was that the only sort of access you had in a way to music like The Who? And uh, Well, uh, and that and Friends, obviously. And like yeah. I say, you know, we'd sort of we'd, we'd go into the city and, you know, hang around all these places. Like you wouldn't tell your mum. Going to Carnaby Street. You get a belting for that one. Mm. But we used to, my parents used to take us away on holidays to a place called St Ives, which is in Cornwall, on the north coast of Cornwall, which is in the far west of England. And um, all the hippies used to, went there, which was kind of really good when you're a young lad mm. and you're sort of trying to find out about things that your parents might not want you to find out about. Yep. So I'd get up early in the morning. And I'd go down to the beach and go and chat with all the hippies. Yeah. Was Bob Crane there? Or? Bob, Bob Crane, Bob Crane. <laughs> I think he might have been there. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, sorry, Bob. I don't joking, remember. <laughs> I don't remember Bob. <laughs> but it was interesting because you go and chat with them and they were like, they were old people. They were like 17 or 18, mm. you know, and I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And they smoked stuff. They might have smoked things as well. Yeah. yeah. So it was all interesting. So was that an exciting time to to be alive? Like I, I can imagine it was with yeah. such great music coming out. For me, it was. I yeah. mean, it it kind of defined. I think it defined uh, me uh, be, wanting to become a musician. That mm. was that was that was it. Because Pink Floyd came out at that time. Yeah, uh, and I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. Yeah, I'm afraid you know, I, I enjoyed their music from. The very first things, you know, like Arnold Lane and, um, you know, uh, is it C. Emily Play and, and songs like that. Fantastic songs, you know, still, I think. Yeah, yeah. So was it Pink Floyd that got you to pick up the guitar? No, I, th- I think I think the actual uh, wanting to play guitar was like the Beatles, the Kinks, mm. um, the Pretty Things, the Stones, yep. those sorts of bands. I yep. that, that that's great. That's something I want to do. And most of that was coming out of England, wasn't it? Well, it was. All, all yeah. of it, yeah. 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 It's uh, incredible. And it's, uh, it's all still around too. It's it is. still very influential and McCartney's bringing out a new album. Yeah. McCartney 3. Yeah. <laughs> he just doesn't stop that guy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So, um, now, you're obviously a, a very good guitarist. I've you know, to say it mild, mildly, like you're a, would you call yourself a shredder? No. Virtuoso? No. No, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't call myself anything like that at all. Like, I, I, I call myself a hack, <laughs> to, be, to be honest. Uh, he's wrong, folks. I, I, I've seen it. I've seen him play. Uh, Do you have a practice uh, schedule, regimen, ha- like ha- scales hang on, and... Hang on a sec. I've just got to go to wiki and type in, how do you spell... That word P. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, d- d- jokes aside, I, I don't practice anything. Yeah. Um, I I play guitar regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, as you said before, you know, you, you sort of you just pick up and you start playing the same thing that you were playing years ago, <laughs> because that's where the hands are on the neck and that feels yeah. comfortable. Yep. And then sometimes I, I think. Oh, 
wonder what happens if you take this finger off or you stick your, this finger over there or mm. something. Mm. And you come up with a different, you think, oh, that's all right, that could be something. Mm-hmm. I've got a little port handheld recorder or phone or whatever. Yeah. Put stuff into that and see what comes of it yeah. later. But um, I, I, I try to, what I try to do is come up with stuff that's melodic, mm. that's got some harmonic, I guess, qualities in it. You know, like um, we, we talked about Ingwie Malmsteen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everything he does is like super fast. Mm. Oh, I can't, I just can't do that, you know. It just becomes like, yeah, but hang on, hang on. There's some kind of melody in here that maybe needs to yeah. come out too, you know. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, tell us about In Time, a uh, little acoustic interlude. Oh, that, yeah. That's um, that's a really old song, that that. Sort of came out. Uh, I wrote that long, long, long ago, and um, I recorded it originally on a Tascam Porter Studio two forty four, which you probably may have heard about. Or I know <laughs> so, Tascam. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> it was like one time. Of course, you could only record in a studio that had uh, this massive desk and two inch tape. Mm. And then there was this thing back in the eighties where they said, "Hey, we can do that all on cassette tape as well." And you go, really, how are you going to squeeze all that? Anyway, quarter-inch tape. Yeah. But um, so I, I did it back then. I had this uh, girl I knew at the time. Uh, she did the vocals for me and the harmonies. And I just did the guitars and things. But uh, I've only got that on tape because you can't use them. Well, I can't use it anymore. I have a tape deck. Yeah. So I thought I might redo it. So I, I got Carla to, um, who used to be in Waterline, the bass player. She did the bass and the female vocals on that. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a melancholy, sad song, mm. a bit of a you know relationship breakup, perhaps or relationship start, but knowing that the relationship's going to break up, mm. like later, not necessarily the next morning. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yep, it's heading that way. <laughs> heading that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's how that came about. So you got that on YouTube, just like a a little clip to go along with that. Yeah. And you got your video for for me and a few other things you've got on there. And I ran into something else you've got on there called uh, 12 Bars of Isolation. Oh, yeah. With uh, a couple of familiar names that you worked with. Yeah, John Ryan. Yeah, tell us about that. Well, there's a couple of things we did, John and myself and and other people um, involved too, because in the lockdown... Uh, it just became this thing of it's all very well and good, but you're not connecting with anyone. Mm. Uh, so this this kind of collaborative thing, you know, we'd record guitar parts or bass parts or whatever parts in our homes and then email them to each other and gradually build a song out of that. You know? um, so that, that, that's how that came about. Yeah. It was, just, it was, it was a good... Uh, Good to collaborate with people and get different ideas and just do different music. Yeah. You know, do something completely different to what I would normally do. Mm. Have you missed live music during this time, this yeah. year? It's strange. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, I, I love recording and, and doing mm. stuff. I love trying to put stuff together, at, you know, in my home uh, sort of recording bit. But... To actually go out and play live or, you know, crank an amp up and get some feedback or something, yeah. you can't beat that. No. You can't do that at home. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know. Well, not, well, not for long anyway. anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. been... Uh, Sad. Yeah, because I think everything else you do, uh, it all leads to going out playing live, I think, you know, all your tinkering around in the studio and yeah. rehearsing at home and recording and stuff. It's all for the purpose of being able to... Go and play that stuff live, usually. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, um, yeah, I haven't played a gig since uh, I think it was February. Oh, man. Which, that's... you know, is quite a while. Feels feels like a lifetime, but, but I've managed not... to do other things, but I, I yeah. definitely miss it. Yeah. But I think also, like, um, it, it, if you, you can record a song and, you know, there's a certain process involved in that and you can probably let yourself go a bit and, Mm-hmm. You know, add in the BBC orchestra or whatever it is you want in the background. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. But when you play something live in front of people, it takes on a new life. Mm. Uh, it takes on a different dimension. Yeah. You know, 
uh, and you might not have the big sounds coming in behind it, but it doesn't matter because yeah. it's, it, that song's a fresh thing. It's something new, you know. It's good. Yeah, you're seeing if it stands the test of the uh, of the audience yeah. in real time, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So your songwriting is basically um, based around your life experience and observation, yeah. you know, grief, loss, self-discovery, childhood, lo- loneliness. Um, mm. That's pretty much what I relate to as well, and I think most of us. Um, do you find that hard to get across in a song sometimes? Like the mm. the honesty and it's sort of a hard question to ask, I know. Um trying to word it properly. Um do you find it flows out easily and is translated easily by the listener? Ooh, that's a good question actually. <laughs> I I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it if yeah. other people get it or if if the but it doesn't matter. Uh, like if someone hears my stuff, whatever they get. That's good. If mm. if they think it, it's this or if they think it's something different, that's great. That's okay. Yeah. You know, you're entitled to do that. Interpretation. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. I mean, as far as writing, um, like with, uh, with lyrics, I find for me lyric writing is kind of a stream of consciousness. Mm. Something goes wrong mentally and I end up sitting there, the next thing I've got, you know, four or five verses or something. Uh, I don't. Know, I kind of don't really know how they come about. Yeah. Um, they just. They're just there. Marrying it up with a music, or uh, vice versa, marrying music up with lyrics, whichever. Um, different process. I think Keith Richards says is kind of like a magic that happens there. It's mm. just kind of bang. Mm. Um, and I suppose it is a bit, a bit of a strange. Yeah. You know. Synthesis. I find that uh, I can spill a bunch of words out onto a page, but then uh, start second guessing them a lot. Mm. And I'm um, like, do I really want to put that out there? Mm. I'll become more critical of my own stuff. Yeah. The, the more I go along. Um, but then, you know, sometimes it spills out and you're like, well, what the hell was that about? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you get to the, you record it and you get to the stage of promotion and someone asks you, oh, what's this song about? I'm like, oh, I've got no idea. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> that you sounds silly. <laughs> well, you wrote the damn thing, didn't you? Yeah, yeah but uh, <laughs> kind of just spewed out and, um, yeah, it's weird. It's yeah. a really strange thing. So. They always sound good, though. Oh, and they, well, hopefully. They always sound like they've got that a flow to them and a... Yeah. You know, it's good. It still came from somewhere. Yeah. Honest, it's just, yeah, you can't interpret it yourself sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you brought uh, brought a little friend with you today. What did you bring? I did. I, I brought the only guitar I've got that makes me look big. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A mandolin? <laughs> no, not the mandolin. Should I get it? Yeah, yeah, grab it out. Unveil. Oh, it's an acoustic. Beautiful. Yeah, so, so. Wow. A little Takamini. Okay. New Yorker. Right. Where did you buy this? I actually bought this at uh, Sky, my good friends at Sky Music in Clayton. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice little guitar. Yeah. And we're in the parlour, so it's kind of suitable. Yeah. And it's nearly in tune. Not bad. Not bad. Too bad. It sounds alright then. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Is that uh, so? It's not full. 
quite full size. Is that like three quarters? Yeah, it's like a, I think it's an OM size. Okay. They call OM size. Yeah. So it's bigger than the, uh, people talk about like um, GS mini guitars, the Taylor ones and the mini Matons and that. This is bigger. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. But um, not much okay. difference in size. What's going on with the uh, the bridge there, the nut, the or the, the, the yeah. saddle? Yeah, on the the saddle there, it's um it's a split saddle, oh. which is something that Takamini uh, have been doing for I, th- I think some time now, quite right. a few years. But it's um it's just a different approach, you know. So they got the oh, excuse me, got the low E and the A string on a separate. Smaller saddle and then the other four strings on a mm. on another part of it. Never yeah. seen that actually. Yeah, no, it's it's a bit it's a bit different. It's a bit unique. Mm. But it's you know nice nice enough guitar. Yeah, I tend to use this one, and uh, I've got another Takamini, which is um, like a uh, dreadnought style. I use them most. Mm-hmm. I think you know something. The playability with them is quite nice. Got anything new for us? Um, not not, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I mean, I just hack around. Yeah. Um, or anything, anything old you want to older, <laughs> older, or anything already around? I should say. I don't know. I mean, I, I've got um, I've got something. I've got an instrumental I'm trying to work on. like the instrumental idea which you can't play yeah and I, i'm very good at doing that i come up with these ideas and think oh that'd be that'd be good i can put that together and i can't play them so i have to <laughs> sort of work on them and work on them and work yeah on them. but um that'll have uh, that will have when i've finished it have some uh, strings and some uh, sound effects and you know a few little bits and pieces maybe an ebo going in oh, there nice. or something yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, not everything you can put lyrics on or singing on, I don't think. No. No. That's right. I mean, I like the idea of instrumental stuff. Mm. I've, I've got some stuff that's kind of electronic instrumental as well, mm. um, you know, synthesised type of things. You know? Right. But um, I haven't put any of that out yet. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I've got a bunch of uh, instrumentals lying around, more in the... Alternative tunings. Uh, I've released a couple actually, but mm. I was always a fan of instrumentals. Um, I liked when bands sort of put instrumentals on their albums, and um, so and there was you know some pieces you just write, and like I said, you just I don't know you can't put any words to them, or they're, they're fine without it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I got a couple still sitting there that are kind of old, and I sort of always go back to them and play them when I, you know, just tinkering around here, but I'll yeah. never, never take them out and play them live. Yeah. Or rec- oh, I haven't recorded them, so. Yeah. You should. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> I think you should. To the <laughs> instrumentals yeah. album or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what about the uh, the mandolin? Is that like just a tasteful little thing you'll bring into on on certain songs or have you written songs purely with it or no that's um it's really uh the mandolin is is just an addition it's kind of like um when you do 
like I say, when you do a song and you think, oh, yeah, a bit of synthesizer or strings or, you know, some kind of pad or piano or something, it's, for me, that's the same with mandolin. You know, it's just a, gives it just a different dimension, a slightly different perspective when you bring the mandolin in. Um, I haven't written anything specifically for mandolin, mm-hmm. but I write stuff and I think, oh, that could work, you know, put the mandolin in there. Where did you get that inspiration from, the mandolin? Uh, English folk, I think. Mm. You know, um, like I've always liked bands like Jethro Tull too, not that they use much mandolin, but I've always liked Jethro Tull mm. and that kind of uh, acoustic-y, folky thing, <laughs> even, even though they got... They got um, nominated as best uh, best heavy metal band back in nineteen eighty something, and they beat Metallica for that <laughs> yeah, too, didn't incredible. they? Incredible! I think that was was that oh early nineties or was it late eighties? Yeah, they, I don't think Metallica could believe it. That, nah. That's when oh, they nice. had the Black Album out, I think. Yeah. So it must have been ninety one or something. Yeah. I don't think Ian Anderson could believe <laughs> it either. You know, he still jokes about that. Well, <laughs> shit. Yeah, I um, I like the mandolin, especially. I think Led Zeppelin used it really nice. Yeah, uh, like the Battle of Evermore. Yep, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Chris Cornell used it on his last solo album. Yeah, and the single he released, uh, "Nearly Forgot My Broken Heart." He used the mandolin on that. So. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, I uh, I've only done this with one other guest. Uh, a bit of a, a pop quiz or, yeah. or like a, you know, pick this answer or that answer. So um, if you want to play, do you dare? I'll you, dare. And you dare. <laughs> it's nothing bad. Not introducing it very well, am I? Um, so, yeah, just a few quick questions and you can pick which one you prefer. Okay. Hopefully the new mics are going okay today. I've got the, the two pod mics for the first time. They sound good from this end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, White Album or Sergeant Pepper? Um, D, all of the above. <laughs> yeah. I love them both. Didn't say they were easy questions. <laughs> uh, I think if if you put a Glock 9 mil against my head and said pick one, <laughs> I'd probably go with the White Album. Okay. Yep. I think I would too. Mm. Uh, mm. Satisfaction or Start Me Up? Oh, Satisfaction. Uh, vinyl or CDs? Um, controversial mm. uh, and a controversial point for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm quite happy with CDs. Mm. Um, I mean, probably a lossless file or a WAV file would be better, but, <laughs> you know, yep. uh, CDs are okay. Vinyl's good, but yep. you know I don't like the clicks and the scratches and the pops and the jumps and mm. all that sort of thing. So, okay, uh, Purple Haze or Hey Joe? Purple Haze. Okay. Uh, Derek and the Dominoes or Cream? Um, cream. Strawberries and or cream? No, that's a joke. <laughs> uh, cakes or donuts? God, again, both. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, probably cakes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the 1960s or the 70s? Oh. You, you're putting me through the ringer here. Mm. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, look, I'll, I'll take 60s because uh, the 60s, I think, was when music really started to develop. You know, a lot of recording techniques started developing then, which led into the 70s. Okay, yep. Uh, 80s glam or grunge? Grunge. Raspberry Jam or Pearl Jam? <laughs> Pearl Jam, I think. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Uh, 70s Aerosmith or 90s Aerosmith? Yeah. Maybe or 70s. No Aerosmith. <laughs> Maybe no Aerosmith. Oh, <laughs> didn't like a 70s Aerosmith? Uh, so it was all right. Yeah. yeah. Actually really got into some of that raw... Yeah. Stuff of theirs, I really enjoy it. Yeah, um, obviously refined it into more poppy sort of songs in the nineties, but still really, really good. I thought. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what do we got? Uh, Spotify playlist or a old fashioned mixtape cassette tape? <laughs> hmm. Well, Spotify playlists are good. I think from the point yeah. of view, you can sort of get anything you want. Um. 
Yeah, uh, and it's easier than a t- like a tape anyway. Yeah, especially when you deck. don't have a tape player anymore. <laughs> Correct. Speaking of uh, Spotify playlists, everyone, I've got the Fox on the Wire Spotify playlist, so where I sort of add tunes from all the guests that we have on the show here. Uh, so, Keith, with your permission, I'll add a song or two of yours to the playlist if you're if you're happy for me to have it on there. More than that. Um, Thank you some, very much. Some really great tunes on there by all the guests that we've had on the show here. So mm. that's the Fox on the Wire playlist. Go and check it out. All right, a couple more questions. Uh, uh, the David Lee Roth era of Van Halen or the Sammy Hagar era? Oh, David Lee Roth. Yeah. Diamond Dave. Yep, yep. He had charasma. Mm-hmm, yep, I agree. <laughs> Very sad about Eddie, losing Eddie. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And speaking of guitarists. Oh, well, yeah. Jeez. He took it to another level. Yeah. You do, you, do you remember when he sort of came on the scene uh, when you first heard about him? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do because it was not long after um, the Sex Pistols came out. <laughs> right. It was it was funny because he had the Pistols doing, um, you know, like Anarchy in the UK and God Save the Queen. Yeah. And then you had Van Halen coming out and doing this, like, eruption and uh, yeah. running with the devil. And it was like, this is great. Mm. I, I, like, I like both. I like the Pistols and I like Van Halen. But um, I really enjoyed listening to Van Halen play and, and that whole thing with the double-handed tapping stuff. Yeah. You know, it was interesting, you know. Did you get into that yourself? Like, did you try a lot of that out? The, I've tried the it. The tapping? Yeah, I've tried it. Mm. And um, it's, it's I, I get lost. Mm. I forget where I'm supposed to go next. Yeah. yeah. And then I end up hitting too many strings all at once. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's hard to, I mean, you can just sit there and just muck around and do it, but to yeah. incorporate it tastefully into a song. Into a song, yeah. Like, like Eddie did uh, is another thing. Mm. But uh, I often get lost when I see um, a lot of these guys these days that are tapping the body of their guitar and, you know, sort of tapping the, the fretboard as well. Like they're, they're just using yeah. every aspect of the, the guitar, like uh, Fisher, who we've had on the show here. Like, mm. I would just get dizzy doing yeah. that shit. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, pretty incredible. So It's yeah. clever. Yeah. yeah. Very really clever. clever stuff, yeah. you know. But, uh, yeah, Eddie just uh, definitely in a, in a world of his own, league of his own. Mm. Uh, all right, one more question. Mm. This is, uh, do you prefer if a band loses their singer for whatever reason, do you prefer them to replace him or her? Or do you think they should just call it a day? Mm. That's a that's a good one. A bit controversial again mm. because uh, I look at um, you know, bands that have done that. Uh, you know, most notably, you know, Queen. And mm. it's like I saw, I saw Queen at Sunbury uh, when they came out, and um, I saw Queen two or three times after that as Queen with Freddie and everyone. Well, wow. it was fantastic. Like. I've got one album of theirs. I can't listen to it. Mm. Uh, I don't find them a band I can sit and listen to, but watch them live, awesome. And Freddie was just such a dynamic frontman, yeah. you know, singing, play piano, you know, talk to the audience, fantastic. When he died, did they get um, from uh, uh, Paul, the band company? Rogers. Paul Rogers. Yeah. yeah. Great singer, mm. good frontman. Not the same as Freddie. No. And then with the chap that they've got at the moment, more recently, whose name escapes me. Uh, Lambert, Adam Lambert. Adam Lambert, thank you. Good voice, yeah. but he's not Freddie. No. And he's not Paul Rogers. And it's not Queen anymore. Mm. They've lost an integral part of their sound. Yeah, maybe it's how they go about presenting the new lineup or the, mm. the replacement, like mm. with um, Alice in Chains, for example. Yeah. You know, obviously Lane, you know, was an untouchable singer. Yeah. And they left it for a while. Um, but I think the way they've – they haven't replaced him as such. You know, they they brought in a new guy, but he's not trying to be Lane. Mm. They're releasing new music. Um, and William, who is a new singer, is very respectful of Lane, so much so that I think he went to Lane's parents and got their blessing to join the band. So I think the That's way nice. they've done it is good. Mm. But I see a lot of fans 
they just can't live with it. Mm. Um, so maybe it's how they, how the band sort of presents it um, with Queen. I, I totally get what you mean. But, you know, Freddie's just, yeah, you know, you can't replace Freddie. You can't put someone in his place or say, so, yeah, I, I can't get into this version of Queen. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you. I think mm. I think if a band says, all right, well, so-and-so's gone, but we're going to keep going, we're going to get someone else to do it, and they sort of reinvent themselves a little bit, I think that's good because mm. it's, it's, now it's like a Mark II version. You know? Yes. It's like Fleetwood Mac, I suppose, like the Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Entirely different to, yeah. you know, Stevie Nicks and yeah. um, Lindsay Buckingham and now, well, more recently, Neil Finn. Mm. Well, I think going back to Van Halen, like the Roth era and yeah. the Sammy Hagar era, they're two totally different. different. You know, Sammy Hagar wasn't trying to replace Ross. They were just... Uh, the next version of the band, mm. uh, different sound. Um, so, you know, I think that was that was done properly, and that was okay. So, yeah, yeah. in answer to that question, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Depends. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Keith, for coming on the show. Nice to have you uh, in person in the flesh. Thank you for having me. Nice, it's been nice great. to chat with you. Yeah. Be good um, to catch up with you. Yeah, it's yeah. been probably a couple of years, really. Now I think so. so. Yeah. Time just ticks. Uh, so what, what's uh, what's happening for you? You've got the the production on the new tunes that we we were talking about. Mm. Uh, when's that sort of set for release? Do you think early next year or? Yeah, I think early next year. Yeah, at this stage, um, you know, like we're already at November. There's something yeah. other. There's only a few weeks left of 2020. Sure is. Thank goodness for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, what's 2021 going to look like? Yeah. Jesus. It can only get worse. Oh, but better from here. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, think, I think that's the case. I think it'll be next year. Okay. I'll start looking at some stuff and, you know, put it out there. Yeah. So we can find Keith David on YouTube, uh, Bandcamp, Facebook. Are you on Instagram? I don't uh, No. No. No, not yet. Okay. But that, that will come. SoundCloud? <laughs> SoundCloud, yeah. Yeah. A lot of demos on SoundCloud. Okay. So, you know. All right. So they're probably the best places to find you? Yeah, yeah Spotify, Bandcamp. Oh, yeah, Spotify, yep. Yeah. Um, cool. YouTube, yep. All right. Well, we'll add, uh, add a tune or two to the Fox on the Wire playlist. Go and check it out. And, uh, yes, thank you, Keith, for coming on the show. And uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you. Thanks very much. Catch you again soon. Cheers. Watching all the things